What's up, everyone? Welcome into the Dear Miss Fantasy Show for week 11. I'm Tara Roberts. Thank you for joining. We're the official mailbag show for Player Profiler. Going to take lots of fun questions this week. We've got trade topics. We've got questions around some of the questionable players, not injury questionable, performance questionable players that people are a little bit worried about here. Um, spoiler alert, maybe I can give you a little tip off. You know, it's guys like Saquon Barkley. Is he a buy or sell? Running backs that are in shared backfields or that maybe we picked up thinking that this was going to be a situation where they were going to get a little action and it's not happening. So we've got some good questions here. Trade questions as well. <clears throat> Trade targets, all that good stuff. So we're going to go ahead and dive right in because we've got a lot to cover. Um, I want to start off with the big news. And usually I've got, so I've got a topic of the week, right? Um, one particular topic that I want to focus on. And it is the, um, it's the Detroit Lions as a whole. And that Detroit Lions, LA Chargers game, just that was absolutely, man, that was a fun game. <laughs> like, did you love that game? I loved that game. It was amazing. I mean, from a fantasy perspective, like, the points were just flowing from all over every single part that you wanted them. It was fantastic. Um, so that's my featured topic of the week, but I'm going to actually start us off with some of the bigger news here. So we can start off, you know, on things that are a little bit um, more, uh, more time sensitive. We'll say uh, Jalen Warren is the guy that I want to talk about first. We got the news that it is apparently Jalen Warren RB one season. He is now, he's going to get the start. Um, and that's interesting because I personally didn't really feel like Najee Harris did anything to lose the job. I don't know that he was performing in a way that was hurting the team. The Steelers, you know, they have a winning record. They're doing well. It doesn't feel like it. It doesn't feel like they should be a six and three team, but they are, um, they're winning, they're doing well. And Najee Harris, it's interesting because I thought, we were finally actually seeing a turnaround and not even a turnaround because, you know, there were his official efficiency wasn't dreadful as a whole early on, but we had two back-to-back -back games where his yards per carry was fine. He had 16 carries in both games, um, touchdowns in both games. So I really felt like we were at a turning point with Najee where we were starting to feel like we could trust him. 15 fantasy points the week before, 18 fantasy points this week. So if you rostered Najee, and um, and I don't, so this is not an issue for me, but if you rostered Najee, you were starting to feel comfortable with him. Maybe a little too comfortable, unfortunately, because now he is going to take a back seat to Jalen Warren. But I want to talk about this because I feel like we need to temper our expectations on what Jalen Warren getting the start ultimately means in terms of his fantasy production. Now I'll be ranking them on up there, right? I have not um, finalized my rankings right yet. Cause I'm, I'm running behind. Um, <clears throat> but if you are curious um, what my rankings are, um, check back Thursday morning and um, you can see uh, I've got the link in my link tree. So if you go to my Twitter or wherever and you click in my link tree, it's like, um, maybe like the fifth link down or something like that. Um, so if you want to check out my rankings and see where I have Jalen Warren, you can do that. But I still think this is going to be a split backfield. I just think that maybe we start to see officially those snaps tilting more towards Jalen Warren. They're wanting to get him some more early down work because he had been doing strong in terms of 
um, the receiving work, but at the same time, Najee was still getting targets. He's had, um, let's see, five targets in week eight, four targets in week nine, four targets in week 10. The targets have been there for Najee. So I felt like they were utilizing this more as a split backfield. So this is going to be interesting to see. Obviously, the snap count is what's really going to flip here because Jalen Warren was always under a 50% snap count. And if they're doing this kind of reversal where maybe Warren is taking on more of a, I don't want to say, what, 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 what is a good, so he'll get early down usage, but he'll still get third down work. But maybe what we see is that Najee takes on more of like a Damian Harris, like a traditional Damian Harris type of role. Obviously not this year, clearly, um, but more of a traditional Damian Harris in New England type of role where he's getting, you know, the primary looks at the goal line and more um, short yardage work. And they're leaning more on Jalen Warren overall, which I think ultimately does make sense because Warren has been so incredibly productive. Um, and they have to reward him. And if it's working for the offense, it just makes sense. But I don't know that we're going to see some kind of massive flip. And last week, last week was the first week that we saw Jalen Warren get um, 15 touches. He had always kind of been below that 10 touches, or not touches, sorry, carries. Kind of been that below that 10 carries range. And the matchup last week was against Green Bay, which is very interesting because I would expect any running back to throw. If you're a competent running back, you should thrive against Green Bay's run defense. This week's matchup is against Chicago. This is a very different beat or um, Cleveland. This is a very different beast, right? Um, and you can run on, you can. We've seen um, running backs do well if you're committed to the run against Cleveland, but just be wary, be careful because we don't know exactly what this split will be. We don't know how goal line touches will go and it is a bad matchup. So let's, let's enjoy Jalen. Like so you can start Jalen Warren. let's enjoy Jalen Warren's season. Um, but just let's keep expectations in real, uh, realistic right now. Um, other big news, the bills firing their offensive coordinator after that embarrassing loss to Denver. Um, and it was embarrassing. You hate to say that, you know, losing a game is embarrassing because, Honestly, Denver is not as bad of a team as we um, <laughs> as we would like to think that they are. Russ has Russ has bounced back well-ish from well. No, he's bounced back well from where he was at last year. And you know, kudos to him for being able to turn things around, um, be more efficient, make less mistakes, be stronger overall. This wasn't a game where he had a ton of high volume. Um, they were able to rely on the run. Javante Williams is looking fantastic. Maybe that's a, another big takeaway here. Um, and someone who is an interesting trade candidate. I don't think that I've included, um, I do weekly trade um, videos. You can find them. Oh, you can find those also on my link tree. Um, but I do weekly trade videos. And I don't think that Javante hasn't made it onto one of my trade lists yet, but he could very soon because uh, it's, he's, it's warranted really. Um, we're finally seeing, he looks like he finally got that step back earlier in the season. He was looking sluggish. He's looked very explosive over the last several weeks. Um, he's somebody who people might feel like they're bailing out on high and not, you know, not looking at it as a situation of, 
I think we've got the confirmation at this point that they feel very comfortable with him as the RB1. He's going to be the primary guy. He's getting enough receiving work to be relevant. Um, he's not having those goal line touches taken away from him. So, you know, I think big takeaway from this is that Russ is a fine streaming option in decent matchups. Buffalo is a decent pass matchup. Um, their, their defense, obviously, is just ravaged with injuries, unfortunately. Started off the season strong, and as they just continue and even last year unfortunately they're just bit by this terrible injury bug where year after year they're losing these major players to significant season ending injuries so they aren't a extremely difficult defensive matchup anymore they can pull it together but when this is important to note you know in a decent matchup as long as it's not awful you can rely on rest as a streaming option um, Javante Williams as well. Cortland Sutton, fantastic game. Jerry Judy, we're still not trusting and we're, we continue to not trust. Um, that's that catch by Cortland Sutton was crazy, right? But Jerry Judy, we continue to not trust, unfortunately. He's ultimately clearly the wide receiver too in this offense. He's been outshined and outperformed by Cortland Sutton. The touchdown equity is massively with Cortland Sutton and it ain't even close. Um, we should change it to from Cortland Sutton anytime touchdown to Cortland Sutton, um, bet that he, you know, <laughs> is it a miracle that he won't get a touchdown because he's, he's just that guy. There's no competition from the tight end. So it just makes sense that they're heavily utilizing him. Um, but the, on the bill side, something clearly needs to be done. We had Javon, or we had James cook who had a fantastic game, 12 carries over a hundred yards. And yet from a fantasy perspective, again, we get absolutely nothing. He is out scored from a fantasy perspective by Latavius Murray because of the utilization in this Bills offense and the way that they view it. They need to reassess. And I don't even know if it's just the offensive. Now, the offensive coordinator was a problem. But Sean McDermott needs to reassess his philosophies as well because we've seen this with him before that he's got this philosophies around running backs that just don't work. It's not effective. We see running backs just go elsewhere and be perfectly fine once they escape Buffalo's system. It's not even the same thing as uh, New England, right? Because New England, Bill Belichick likes to utilize running backs in specific roles. And then they go off to other offenses and they're, you know, they're all right. They're okay. They're, but you see logically why they were utilized in specific roles. But you, we've got multiple you know, evidence of these running, but even Devin Singletary going over to Houston and pushing uh, Damian Harris or Damian Williams, Damian, God dang, Damian Pierce. Sorry. <laughs> Damian's Devontae's Williams um, <sighs> running backs in their names, Damian Pierce, pushing Damian Pierce out of the way over there in Houston, um, having a fantastic game looked excellent last week. So uh, Zach Moss as well, escaping, you know, Buffalo. So, hey, put your trade targets in for when um, <laughs> for when James Cook inevitably escapes Buffalo because we've got the script now. Um, but unfortunately, this Buffalo offense as a whole, Josh Allen just looks wholly uncomfortable, very confused. Trustworthiness in this offense. Now, granted, um, Stefan Diggs, just bear in mind the Denver defense, and this is another thing that we want to harp on. You've got to pay attention to trends. Um, and I think I mentioned this specifically in this show last week. Um, you have to follow recent trends. Utilize all of the tools, um, like go to player profiler, utilize the tools, and look recently <clears throat> at recent performances from 
these defenses to really understand where they're at and grasp the path that they're on. Because for over a month now, it's been very clear. Like if you just look at the statistics, Denver is not a good defensive matchup. Whatever happened earlier in the season, they've worked through those issues. Um, they have the talent to be a strong defensive matchup. <laughs> and they've worked through those issues. So you cannot approach Denver the same way. Um, wide receiver ones, be cautious. It's not surprising that Stefan Diggs had this level, this you know, paltry level of performance um, against that Denver secondary. They're talented, man. Patrick Sertan, it's just not something that you want to attack. So I think we kind of, you know, look at this Buffalo game and understand that it really was a tough defensive matchup, but also understand that philosophically, they've got some issues going on that they need to fix overall. Their usage is strange. Um, the only thing that you can maybe hope there is obviously we're trusting Stefan Diggs. Gabe Davis is someone who on a weekly basis we're up and down on. And um, really, and Gabe Davis's performance was nearly not impressive either. Um, and then Dalton Kincaid feels like the only <laughs> truly outside of Josh Allen-ish um, truly trustworthy person. So it's very... Very interesting. Um, I'm going to also uh, talk quickly, uh, just touch on this quickly, because I'm going to run out of time here. Um, Kyler Murray is back, and I'm thrilled for one, because I've been very pro Kyler Murray, and maybe there's some bias sticking in there, because I made some offseason dynasty trades for him. Um, so maybe I'm over leveraged on Kyler Murray, but uh, <laughs> uh, he, he just felt like such a good buy low candidate. I was having an interesting conversation um, on another show. Um, uh, with Heath Cummings, and he, you know, mentioned that he was updating his dynasty rankings, and that Kyler Murray was, you know, flipping with a guy like Trevor Lawrence. Kyler Murray moving back up, Trevor Lawrence moving back down, and it makes sense when you think about it. Um, I think that we got a little bit not we. Because I was not on that train. But I think that people got a little bit too tied to this idea that Kyler Murray was going to be abandoned by Arizona. And because so many people in the offseason, the conversations, man, I felt like I had to, I felt like I had to recuse myself sometimes because it just was strange that, you know, he's not going to play at all. Um, Arizona's just going to keep him on the bench. And realistically, like just yeah, conceptually, you know, he had, there was no way that they were going to do that. They could not do that. You can't have a franchise quarterback coming back from an injury. And he says, I'm ready to go. And you say, Oh no, <laughs> we're tanking. I'm going to need you to pump the brakes on that one. And you sit over there so we can take and draft your draft your replacement. That didn't make logical sense. So Kyler Murray is back. And the thing that I've said time and time again is that he is out there fighting for his, you know, he's fighting for his position. Whether or not the team truly feels that way, the media is pushing it extremely hard. So from that perspective, he has to get out there. He has to perform in the top level. Um, and I really do think that he is on a strong track. This was an interesting game because Atlanta, the matchup was with Atlanta and Atlanta from a secondary perspective. Sometimes you can take advantage of it. But when that Atlanta secondary is on their A game, um, AJ, AJ Terrell, Jeff Okuda, when they're on their A game, and usually the A game is primarily with AJ, AJ Terrell, they're very stout. So I'm not surprised that Marquise Brown didn't have the most fantastic um, performance given that defensive matchup. But it was good to see Kyler. He looked, he was mobile. 
He was running around. Um, people kind of make it a big deal out of them bringing, bringing Clayton Toon in at the goal line. Um, and yeah, maybe that had to do with some protection, but I don't think that that's something that we need to truly worry about dampening the fantasy value there for Kyler. But he's moving the ball well. The volume was decent. Um, James Conner looked good. Um, didn't get the touchdown, but hey, again, Atlanta, not exactly the layup matchup there. Um, but uh, Trey McBride, the real standout here. Um, and he was a good prospect, guys. Remember, he was a good prospect, someone that we were excited about. And we got our, you know, hopes kind of crushed there by Zach Ertz. Hmm, coffee break. Um, but overall, this is the continuation that I wanted to see for Trey McBride. He clearly excellent hands, reliable, high volume. Um, didn't get a touchdown this week, but high touchdown equity. So I mean, if you're looking to buy into someone, Trey McBride is someone who I would be willing to buy high on. Absolutely. Um, young second year tight end, um, uh, popping this early with this level of production, earning the trust of multiple quarterbacks, not just, you know, it was Josh Dobbs and now Kyler Murray immediately immediately comes in here and targets him extremely heavily. At the very least, I do believe he is the second look in this offense. And when you look at tight ends and tight ends that you want to buy into, tight ends that you want to target, we harp on the fact that you want tight ends that are the second look in their offense. You don't want to be looking at these guys who, that's why a, that's why an Irv Smith can never succeed in Cincinnati, despite, you know, the fact that if we've wanted to will him, and we too, we, we includes me, wanting to will him um, to Irv Smith's season. But you can't, a tight end can't thrive in an offense like Cincinnati. A tight end can't, um, a tight end, what's, a, what's another um, good, uh, tight end consistency, even in um, L.A., um, tight end consistency can't really exist in L.A. because you're not the second look in that option, in that offense, because there's Keenan Allen. Austin Eckler is the second receiving look. Um, you're following third in there. And then sometimes you're wavering to, you know, it would have been Josh Palmer, but maybe we have one of these other guys stepping up here. Uh, Mike Williams traditionally. So an, a tight end can't consistently thrive in an offense like that. But Trey McBride can thrive here in Arizona. I like Michael Wilson. I do. I think he's a fine deep league waiver wire target here to kind of see where, because um, his stack count is excellent, over 80%. So I think this is a guy who, you know, you can look at and kind of take a speculative ad. Um, if you're looking at waiver wire ads, I know we're after waiver wire ads um, for many of you, but I doubt that many, um, I doubt there was a rush to the waiver wire to grab Michael Wilson. But if you're looking for a nice speculative ad, I do think that he is one for sure. Um, Arizona as a whole like what I saw of them and they have a difficult schedule moving forward. So that's why I'm not, you know, just, you know, kind of keep that in mind that they do have a generally difficult schedule to close out the season, unfortunately, but it was good to see Kyler come back to this level in his first game back, move around, looking mobile. Um, I'm excited. I'm excited to see where this Arizona offense is heading. They're not tanking. They want to showcase some level of competency heading into the next season. Kyler's contract is, it's a contract, man. Um, it's going to be hard to get out of. Um, or he performs fantastic and they trade him um, off to a you know competitive team. Um, maybe that's an off-season option, but either way. I think Kyler is someone who we need to trust, um, particularly from a dynasty perspective as well. Um, 
Short note, um, Antonio Pierce and the Raiders, keep just keep that one on your radar. That's another good um, trade topic that we'll get to later. Um, keep that one on your radar because notice how the notice how the Vegas offense is flipping. Notice how the usage for Devontae Adams, Jacoby Myers, and Josh Jacobs is right now. Just, just take notice of it. Take notice of where this trend is going. Take notice of where he is taking this team. Um, outside of that, um, kudos to CJ Stroud. Um, good Lord, CJ Stroud. Um, yeah, if if you're if Noah Brown was not picked up on your waivers, you might want to take a stab at that one afterwards for uh, no fab or no waiver wire priority and see if you can grab him um, after waivers because mm, this, you want any piece tied to CJ Stroud. He is for real in an extreme way. Um, Yes, that offense looks incredible. Get what you can because the way that they're heading, and we'll talk about this later, the way that they're heading, this entire offense becomes very interesting moving forward. Um, onto our feature topic. Uh, kind of that was my like hot news topics. Um, kind of mix of stuff right there. Um, but onto our featured topic, we are going to talk about the Detroit Lions and the LA Chargers game. Um, a fantasy manager's dream, really. If you were invested in any portion of either side in this offense, you were thrilled. Um, what, what? Let's talk about what Detroit's offense looks like moving forward. Because again, LA has a terrible defense. This is not going to happen on a weekly basis. We got to keep that in mind. The upcoming schedule for Detroit though, Chicago, that's, you know, very exploitable. Green Bay, very exploitable. New Orleans, uh-huh. Chicago again, tough matchup, Denver, tough matchup, Minnesota, tough matchup, Dallas. So it's like, it's some interesting things moving forward, but as a whole, you really got to see the true identity of this offense. We saw Jared Goff being highly efficient. Um, uh, Completions were, (laughs) um, sorry, attempts and um, completions. His attempts were at 33, which frustrated me because I had the over on his attempts at 33 and a half. Come on, Jared. One more, one more, just one more. Um, But uh, Jared Goff, I mean, he was highly efficient. 23 of 33, over 300 yards, two touchdowns, incredible efficiency. And obviously the vast majority of that, you know, went to (laughs) Amon Ross St. Brown. I don't think there's a usable ask. Mm a usable asset outside of Amon Ross St. Brown and that receiving core. We wanted to make Jamison Williams happen. And, you know, he could happen in the future maybe, but I just, I don't see it. Unfortunately, they've tried. And I truly don't know that this is the, I don't know that this is the year or the situation for him. Um, so this season moving forward, I do think that if you were holding on to Jamison Williams, I do think he's droppable at this point, because when we look at the identity of this Detroit offense, if everything pass volume wise is going to go through Amon Ross St. Brown, and then you've got Sam Laporta as well, who did have an underwhelming game, but just 
don't panic over that because again, um, if, if your underwhelming game is eight fantasy points, I'm fine with that. That's a, that's a fine tight end floor. You've got, I can get, you know, a touchdown out of you at a couple more targets and a good game. And you've got a ceiling of a nice 20 fantasy points and a floor of eight. I'm comfortable with that. So I'm not panicking over Sam Laporta in this, but from a pass catcher perspective, there's nobody else that is remotely usable, streamable. Um, we had a nice run there with Josh Reynolds at the beginning of the season. It's not happening anymore. Just keep that in mind because Detroit can rely aggressively on their ground game. And I think that's a big takeaway here is that they can be a very balanced team, even in a high scoring matchup. They scored 41 points and yet Goff only had to throw, throw the ball 30, 30 times by comparison. Um, Justin Herbert, 48 times. So you kind of see the difference there in terms of how those two teams are operating to get to the same point level because the run game, um, obviously Austin Eckler is fantastic, but the run game in Detroit two headed monster at this point that is apparently going to be both usable. And uh, yeah, I was a little surprised the degree to which we saw Jameer Gibbs. And I don't know if maybe that was them kind of saying that, you know, we want to somewhat ease David Montgomery back in because David Montgomery actually had like a really low snap count in this one, only 38% of snaps. And that is like, that is well below expectations there. So you kind of got to wonder if maybe they had him on a little bit of a snap count. I haven't seen anything to confirm that he was theoretically limited or not, but compared to earlier in the season where he was well above 70%, that's a drastic dip. I can't imagine that that level of split is going to happen again. So if you were a little bit worried about, um, David Montgomery and looking at that and saying, okay, well, you know, most of that production came off of one huge, um, one huge touchdown and he had to get the touchdown to be fantasy relevant. And he didn't see any targets. Um, and obviously those lean towards Jameer Gibbs. So if you're a little bit worried about that, um, from a fantasy perspective, give it another week, especially upcoming against Chicago, um, give it another week before you kind of, get wholly panicked over this because one thing we do want to note about this um, Detroit offense is that I do believe that we're going to continue to see this level of volume and the opportunity is going to be there and we're going to see them continue to lean on their ground game. So I'm not backing away from David Montgomery. Uh, we could see more work from him next week. I just 38% of snaps just doesn't, doesn't feel like that would be the intention for him moving forward. So just keep that in mind. Um, other than that, um, the, the Detroit defense, um, and this one was interesting because I had a, a conversation with someone on Twitter. Um, we were talking about, uh, or someone asked, someone asked um, Jared Goff or Justin Herbert, which one, or no, 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 sorry. Um, Justin Herbert or Kyler Murray, who are we starting this week? Uh, because of fear of Kyler Murray or fear of Justin Herbert against that Detroit defense. And my response was, is that oh, we're rolling with Justin Herbert. Yeah, I think he's like my QB. He was top five quarterback for me on the week. Um, we're rolling with Justin Herbert. Uh, he's this Detroit defense has been vulnerable. Um, and I got a little pushback 
and I appreciate the pushback because, you know, give me a chance to explain further what I meant in terms of them being exploitable. They're good defense. They're good defense. But because their offense is so aggressive and can score in bunches, their defense then has to contend with teams pushing heavily back on them, right? So you get these games where offenses are scoring um, aggressive and quarterbacks are having to put up volume against them. If you look back at the numbers for even quarterbacks like Jordan Love against Detroit, Bryce Young against Detroit, they had some of their better volume games against Detroit. And the reason is not that the Detroit defense from a real football perspective is an issue, but for me, you know, from a actual number standpoint, you have to push high pass volume against them. So don't back away from um, the Detroit defense in itself is fine, but I don't think it's a strong fantasy defense and you should not back away from fantasy assets playing against the Detroit defense. So just keep that in mind moving forward. Um, quick injuries um, that we can go through. Uh, let's see here. Injury wise, we've got, um, oh, before we move on to our injuries, actually. We are going to hear a word from our sponsor. It has been two years since Josh Larkey paved the way for fantasy gamers to start expecting positive returns from Pick'em games, specifically underdog Pick'ems. And how do you do it? Well, you look at the slate and you find a great shootout or a sneaky shootout. You also look for a shit show game. Three, four, five, six guys in one game. That's right. You can do it. You can do it. And you can 100x your payout on underdog. Think about week one. Jets-Bills was a shit show. Did we see the Aaron Rodgers injury coming? No, but we knew the Jets have a good defense. We knew the Bills have a good defense. Why not expect the worst? And the worst is what we got. So if you had gone Dalvin Cook less than, Garrett Wilson less than, Aaron Rodgers less than, Josh Allen less than, Gabriel Davis less than, boom, 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 you can go six for six. Same thing in week two. Oh, week two. Oh, sneaky shootout there in Philadelphia. Minnesota's going to be in comeback mode, so we'll go Cousins, Jefferson, Hawkinson, more than. Madison, less than. But also, Swift, more than. Boom, 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 boom. That's how you do it with the underdog pickums, and you use promo code UNDERWORLD to get a 100% instant deposit match up to $100. You put in 100 underdog matches that deposit up to 100 bucks with promo code UNDERWORLD. Go start picking. All right, injury-wise, um, injury-wise, sorry, I feel like I look like a bum today. Um, injury-wise, we um, we don't have any, this was a good week. We didn't have anything massively dramatic. Um, we have some, you know, small injuries to monitor. Um, we had the Derek Carr injury that had Jameis come in. I, <sighs> But they're on a bye week, and <laughs> apparently it was just the concussion that was the major issue. Apparently the shoulder is not a significant issue. Um, I wanted to see Jameis. I'm not going to lie. He truly did unlock. Uh, <laughs> he unlocked Chris Olave. The combination of Jameis. Can you like, can we, if we could just, if we could get a season, just the back half of the season here, like just like New Orleans, humor me, give me three games of Jameis Winston 
Chris Olave, Rashid Shahid, and A.T. Perry. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Can you imagine? Like, just like, just get goosebumps thinking of Jameis chucking it down the field to the, oh, man. I'm sorry. I'm just that, that just the thought, man, you know how there's like some, some football things that the concept, um, like if you could just see it, you just like, it makes you, I don't even know how to describe it. Like it just makes you, it gets you going, you know, that one right there, that gets me going. The idea of Jameis Winston chucking the ball downfield to Rashid and the Chris Olave. Oh man. And you know, he could do it. Oh my gosh. We would get Tampa Bay 2.0 30 for seven or 30, <laughs> 30 touchdowns, 30 interceptions. Oh God, it would be glorious. Take us back to the glory days of James Winston. Those were our happy times. Take us back. Take me back to the glory days. Um, but if I can't go back to the glory days, then we're just going to have to deal with life as we have it here. Um, only other, you know, big interesting um, injury that we had was Alexander Madison, um, which opens up the door for Ty Alex or for Ty Ty Chandler, Alexander Madison to opens up the door for Ty Chandler. Um, and it's really important to note that Ty Chandler was utilized earlier in the game as well. So he's going to have this complimentary role, even if Alexander Madison does play this week and does clear concussion protocol. So just keep that in mind as you're out there thinking about Ty Chandler, that this could be a interesting rest of season opportunity for him. All right, we're going to go ahead and dive in. I took way too long and I was going to keep the show at 30 minutes and I was supposed to because I have something that I got to run to do, um, but I failed to do that. So we are going to jump into um, the mailbag portions of the show. Um, before we do that, um, by the way, it's on Saturday. Make sure Saturday nights, make sure that you are checking out the Dominator, the Player Profiler show on Player Profiler YouTube and Facebook only. Lineup questions with Billy Musio and Bradley Salter. Um, and again, like I mentioned this last week, I think that I do a ranking show with um, Billy for Fantasy Pros. And I like you, you guys want your start sit questions answered by Billy and Bradley has been fantastic as well. So just make sure that you guys are tuning into that um, 9 p.m. EST on Saturday, Saturday night. Um, Billy has literally finished at overall. Literally, he finished overall um, number one in Fantasy Pros ranking contest. I cannot explain how difficult that is. Um, like, it's just extremely difficult. And Bradley has also been very high up this season as well. He's an excellent ranker. So make sure that you guys are on that show and um, submitting your start hit questions in the chat. Another show that I, you know, make sure that you guys are checking out as well. Sunday, 12 p.m. EST, Player Profiler YouTube. Twitter, Facebook, we run start sit streams. There is no specific host that is content creators, you know, switching up um, throughout the season. So you get a really good mix there and you get to answer or get your have your start sit questions answered. So that's always good. All right. Mailbag questions. Who are we targeting? Um, this was the one that I got multiple. So um, I kind of like put this one into one big question because we got multiple um, targeting questions. <clears throat> For trades, um, people that we are targeting in trades right now. Um, my favorite that you should have targeted last week. Um, and if you didn't, you can still target him this week. But ideally, last week would have been the best time. But last week has passed. So I'm not going to berate you on that. It's Devonta Smith. Um, a fantastic 
trade candidate um, with Dallas Goddard out. Um, Obviously, when we're looking at Dallas Goddard being out, um, let's see. Um, When we're looking at Dallas Goddard being out, we're, um, we've got, sorry, I got distracted by a text message right there for a second. Um, We can't, (laughs) I'm so sorry. Oh, text message distracted me. I don't know why I read it. Um, uh, Dallas Goddard out. Let me get focused back here on you guys. Um, Dallas Goddard out. Um, opens up the door for Devonta Smith to make a significant jump in um, production. So this is why we were drafting him. Because of what we saw last year in the back half of the season, where his season truly kicked off. Literally tied to the exit of... Dallas Goddard with an injury last year. Unfortunately, Dallas Goddard every single year <laughs> gives us one of these multi-week absences. Um, mm, just keep that in mind when you're drafting in 2024. Oh my God, 2024. Um, but what we saw last year is we have you know, we have such a strong sample size of when there is no Dallas Goddard that Devonta Smith becomes the true one B consistently to AJ Brown last year when it was just the two of them in the offense, both of them top 10 wide receivers in average points per game, not just in total points. Cause anybody can be a, in top and total points in average points per game, average points per game, top 10 receiver. He was wide receiver eight averaging um, just over 18 fantasy points per game, <sighs> two spots literally behind AJ Brown. AJ Brown will continue to thrive. And maybe we don't see that true, you know, that wide receiver eight, ceiling reached this year with Devonta Smith. Now um, that Dallas Goddard is out because we have AJ Brown that has been such a dominating factor in a way that he truly was not even like to a level. He really was not at last year. He's taken it to a whole new level. And so when you're looking at that, maybe we don't reach that wide receiver eight, but I truly think we're going to see a massive jump here from Devonta Smith. So he is a fantastic trade target. Um, and again, we, um, I do trade videos on, um, and you can find in my link tree. So just check out my link tree. You can find trade videos in there as well, uh, because I've got a solid hit rate with <laughs> telling you to trade for guys before they pop off. Um, one of the guys that I had previously is my trade target with the um, injury to Kirk Cousins was to trade for TJ Hawkinson. Um, and clearly... Clearly, that worked out extremely well. Um, trade for him after we got that trade of Dosh, uh, Josh Dobbs to um, Minnesota because Dobbs, you know, targeted Trey McBride heavily in Arizona. So naturally, this was going to carry over into Minnesota. This volume sticks um, here, and I really think that you know T.J. Hawkinson was somebody who was a prime trade target. So just kind of keep that in mind that when I'm, when I look at trade targets, what I do specifically my process for trade targets, just so you guys know, because I do this on a weekly basis. um, I'm not going through and looking at box scores and saying, this guy had a down game. So he's a buy low candidate, which is not bad. I mean, you can do that. I'm like, I'm not trying to berate anybody for doing that. um, Because that's, that's that's a perfectly reasonable thing to do and very logical thing to do. Um, but I'm not just doing that. Um, I'm going through and I'm looking at <clears throat> targets, snap share, um, targets per snap rate. I'm looking at your strength of schedule. I'm looking at those upcoming playoff matchups for you. I'm looking at where you could 
where we can take advantage, the windows for how we can sell and how we can acquire these players, um, the upside that they're giving you, what realistically, what can you expect out of them? So when I'm looking at trade targets, um, I feel like I'm, you know, looking at them in a slightly different way. And that's why you can traditionally, when you're looking at my trade targets list, you see rapid hits because I'm looking at predicting where these guys are going to be and specifically telling you in these trade videos what to expect. Like Derrick Henry, one of my perpetually favorite trade targets. And when I mention him as a trade target, I mention you are not buying Derrick Henry for what he can do right now. You are buying Derrick Henry for what he can do in the fantasy playoffs. So keep that in mind. Like as I'm going through and I'm mentioning these guys that I'm looking at, who I am very pro targeting, that I'm not just looking at it as general buy low and sell high candidates because this guy had a bad game. (laughs) Therefore we should target him in a trade and see if we can buy him low because I feel like it's a little bit more nuanced than that. Um, So those are some of the guys that I um, have looked at as, you know, strong candidates for targeting. Um, Another guy that I think is very interesting as well is Michael Pittman Jr. as a trade target. Um, You can't (laughs) you can't tell me nothing on Michael Pittman (laughs) Jr. People just don't see the value in what he brings to the table. He does not have that A.J. Brown ceiling and he's never going to. Like he's not an AJ Brown type of player, but he is a clear wide receiver one who gets you double digit targets. The volume, the opportunity is there. You cannot ask for a more like the, like a reliable guy that you can get as a wide receiver too, and has legitimate wide receiver upside. Josh Jacobs is another one that I am very fond of as a um, trade candidate. Um, Josh Jacobs is someone who, when you're looking at this, and I think I started off the show talking about this real quick, when you're looking at Antonio Pierce and the Las Vegas Raiders and where how the identity of that offense is flipping, it is very clear that Antonio Pierce wants to take that offense in the direction of being a very hard-nosed, aggressive, you know, true, like gutty, traditional kind of football team. You can see the phase out of Jacoby Myers. That ain't happening anymore, unfortunately. The New England Boys Club is gone. Jacoby Myers is not getting that aggressive favoritism in this offense. We're going to see the targets heading back to, and we have seen the targets heading back to Devontae Adams, and we're seeing them rely heavily on Josh Jacobs on the ground game. And I think now is a good time to target him because when you look at this game that he had last week from a fantasy perspective, you could blanket look at that and say, Ugh. It was a bad game, you know? Yeah, I want to bail out on him. This, you know, Vegas offense is bad. They're in a bad situation. I want to bail out. But... Um, When we're looking at that Vegas offense, you need to look at that performance from him and say, we had literally a situation where we've got two weeks in a row where he's being aggressively utilized on the ground. His carries are massively up. The volume is there. It doesn't matter, in my opinion, like the level of because they don't have the easiest schedule upcoming for running backs. But I think they're going to continue to force the issue on the ground and run this offense through Josh Jacobs, win it on the ground. It's effective. It's working. And Jacobs is going to continue to see high volume. You want to invest in that. Another question that we have here is um, we'll jump to uh, uh, should I target Jalen Waddle? want to grab pieces of this Miami offense. I feel like now's a good time to buy low. 
I am not in on Jalen Waddle. He is actually a sell for me. Um, get out while you can, along with Tua. I've spoken about Tua in the past here multiple times. Um, and it is no offense to him at all whatsoever from a real football perspective. But from a fantasy football perspective, we have to look at this objectively and say he has no rushing upside. If he is in a difficult matchup, the volume comes down and he can be efficient with it, but we're not going to get those fantasy points. And Tyreek Hill is a player who will still get his volume because he is Tyreek Hill. But Jalen Waddle is the one who is very dependent. If you look at his um, statistics, they're directly tied to Tua, which you think, okay, that's logical. Wide receivers are tied to quarterbacks. But again, some some wide receivers, a lot of wide receivers can thrive despite the quarterback having a suspect game. Jalen Model is not one of those guys because he doesn't have high volume within this offense. So if we are looking at games moving forward where Tua is going to struggle, particularly in the playoffs, um, we're unfortunately looking at games where Jalen Model can have a really low floor um, and low ceiling. We could be getting around 10 to 12 fantasy points per game for him. He's not a trade target for me. He's a sell. I would bail out while you can. Sell him high. Sell him high. Sell him after this week. High. Get out because the playoff situation is not good. I'm going to run through these quickly because I have to close this out. But um, what to do with Chicago's backfield? Um, I don't think that Roshan Johnson is going to be very useful moving forward. Uh, third down work still makes sense for him. But that the, him being fantasy viable off of third down work was never a reality. The thought process with him was that that third down work plus being on the field and present to get some of that early down work would make him fantasy relevant. I think the early down work is just not going to happen, unfortunately. I think we're looking heavily at a split backfield between Khalil Herbert and Donta Foreman. And I don't know if we can trust either one of them, really, if those two guys are splitting um, early down work. That was my fear heading into the season. I was very anti-Khalil Herbert because I got I was just worried that Donta Foreman would split that early down work. And he's done so well over the past several games with Khalil Herbert out. I don't think he's going to go back to being an inactive. I think they're going to find a way to, you know, make sure that he can, you know, be, you know, active and present on the field, um, at least active in the game. And I think he's going to be a nuisance there. I don't think we can really rely on anyone in that backfield. Buy or sell Saquon Barkley. I'm on the sell end of Saquon Barkley. The Giants offense is a hot mess. I don't think that it's going to change. They're in serious tank mode, and um, Saquon will continue to have the volume. But if the offense knows that all, or the defense knows all they have to do is stop Saquon because no one else can succeed, unfortunately, the upside is just very capped. Should we drop Leonard Fournette? Yes, yes, we should. Um, I don't think it's happening. And is Damian Pierce droppable? I kind of talked about this one earlier just a tiny bit um, when we mentioned CJ Stroud. I don't think that Damian Pierce is droppable. Because while Devin Singletary will continue to be a problem, I don't think Singletary is going away when Damian Pierce is healthy, um, when that eventually does happen. But the thing that we have to worry about here with Damian Pierce is, or not worry about, sorry, the thing that we have to look at here with Damian Pierce and why he's not droppable at this point is because defenses, and I think we saw this turn this past week, now realize that C.J. Stroud is for real. Coaches have to game plan to start stop C.J. Stroud. This is no, you cannot approach this rookie and say, make him throw. Like Will Levis, Bryce Young, even Anthony Richardson. 
You cannot approach these rookies and say, test them through the air, make them throw. You can do that with other rookies. You can't do that with CJ Stroud. He has proven if you give me the volume, I'm going to light you up. Um, so unfortunately here, um, defenses are going to start trying to, and this is not a bailout on CJ Stroud or any of the best catchers I'm, I'm in, um, but defense are going to start sitting here and say, we got to, we got to stop this crazy man. They've got to stop this menace through the air and it's going to open things up for the run game. So for that reason, we're not dropping Damian Pierce because we could see efficiency continue to increase like we saw for Devin Singletary. I don't think Devin Singletary did anything special. I think that things just opened up a little bit more and we could see that for Damian Pierce as well. All right, that wraps things up. I appreciate you all joining in. If you have any questions, as always, hit me up on Twitter at It's Tara Time, I-T-S-T-E-R-A-T-I-M-E. Tag me. I will do my best to respond. Let me know if you want any questions on the Mailbag Show. Um, if you're listening on the podcast version, please subscribe. It would be greatly appreciated. If you're listening on YouTube, like the video, comment below, drop me a comment. Ask me, um, we got some trade questions last week, so I appreciate that. I believe I did respond to everybody. So drop me um, a comment because after the show, I will respond. And pretty quickly um, after the show, I will respond. And make sure that you're subscribed to Player Profiler. Um, again, good luck with your fantasy lineups. Um, appreciate you all joining in. I'll catch you this week or catch you next week. Hope you all win, unless you're playing me. And I hope you lose. But otherwise, hope you win.